Welcome back to the Any Given Thursday podcast. It is uh, it's quarterfinals week, and uh, we just witnessed the first legs. It's very exciting. We're here to talk in detail about it to make up for our month of absence. Um, what better place to start than perhaps the biggest ticket match of the day? When you consider history, maybe. Maybe not in present form, but um, when you consider the history of the competition, mm-hmm. Sevilla vi- visiting Old Trafford and Manchester United, and somehow, somehow, some way, slithering their way to an undeserved 2-2 draw. <laughs> Despite uh, Manchester United scoring four goals, yeah. it ended 2-2. Two own goals <laughs> for United in the last 10 minutes of the game. You can't make this stuff up. Um, this is the type of game where if you're playing football manager, you're rage quitting afterwards. You're not letting it save. You allow two own goals in the last 10 minutes. In devastating injury to your starting center back. Mm. Everyone's quitting the game after that. <laughs> yes, yes. But it happened in real life. And United... You can't quit real life. It looked like United would be done and dusted. They'd be they'd be back home drinking wine, drinking Manchester wine. It's famous for its wine. <laughs> uh and uh, already celebrating being in the semifinals because they did almost score within the first 30 seconds here. Um, it was offside, uh, so it doesn't count. But it didn't take long for them to actually score, and that would be the 14th minute through Bayern Munich Loney, Marcel Sabitzer. Um, Got to say, though, um, it's a really nice pass into him from Bruno, um, but... Uh, it was clearly a deflected uh, off the boot of the defender. Mm-hmm. At first, it looks like kind of a stunning finish from Sabitzer. Like, yep. first time, great contact with his left foot. But it does, in fact, take kind of a nasty deflection that takes it out of the uh, out of the natural instincts of the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, the bit, first, a bit unlucky. The first time I saw it, I didn't realize it hit yeah. like, it. But at the same time, replay. United were good for the goal at that point. They were, Absolutely. They were sort of, they were, you know, pouring forward. It was kind of chance after chance, half chance after half chance. Um, and the second goal comes soon thereafter in the 21st minute, again, through Marcel Sabitzer. And you know what? You have to give Marcial, Marcial a ton of credit, who is finally back into the fold after 16 years of being out injured. Yeah. We'll uh, see how long he's back uh, in the fold for. He was fit for the first half today. Um, not because he got hurt again, but because he's on a minutes restriction. Yeah, they um, pulled him out after the 62nd. And yeah. Ten Hag said afterwards that he just doesn't yeah. want to risk. Nor should he. Martial he should or... maybe only play 30 minutes a game for the rest yeah. of his career at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the first goal, he actually he keeps the move alive. Um and is the gets the hockey assist there on the second goal he sets it up brilliantly by sort of uh, by holding up play mm-hmm. and then sort of tapping tapping around um nicely mm-hmm. um plays a brilliant ball uh through the lines into Sabitzer um who this one this one no deflection fully fully calm and composed finish this time um the unlikely hero so far uh, with a little bit of uh, midfield depth missing for them through rotations of suspensions and injuries. Yeah, and um, it's you see it in both these goals, but also throughout the game, is Sabitzer was really pushing the line. He mm-hmm. was like almost playing the nine role, for making the really good runs through the midfield. It's a it's a very like a uh, like Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, City yeah. style of uh, of midfield performance there from an eight. 
And in the first goal in particular, he is back to the goal when he receives the ball. He is the first the number nine forward. position. Yeah. yeah, and I think Sevilla had a lot of difficulty yeah. like following him into yeah. that spot. And He did a good job rotating with Martial when Martial would come back and hold up. Um, mm-hmm. Looked like something they'd maybe discussed before uh, with Ten Hag. Yeah. Um, a way to sort of exploit that space in behind, making those sort of like vertical runs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Ten Hag is always good for a wrinkle. It seems like he gets it right nine out of ten times too. Does, so. Yeah. This was a really good wrinkle by him that Sevilla had a lot of trouble coping with. Yeah. Weren't able to just sit back and absorb pressure, which they might have expected with a guy like Martial who needs some space to work in. Mm-hmm. So by putting Sabitzer and having him push forward gave Martial that space and Sevilla couldn't really adjust, at least in the first half. Yeah. And the United are all over them. They look good for another before half. Um, they have a couple of chances. Um, another story of the first half, though, is yellow cards. So Sevilla collects three in the first in the first 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Montiel, Rakitic, and Lamella, but somehow the most consequential one is one on Bruno Fernandes in the 41st minute that suspends him for the next, uh, for the second leg back in Spain, and it comes from him diving, throwing his body in front of a, a, a shot, which mm-hmm. he blocks, and... With his arm. With his arm, but it's at his side, yeah. and there's no way he can control it, and it's kind of a ludicrous yellow card to yeah. get. I think it's totally fine to call a foul there. Yeah. And whistle, you can give the free kick. Give the free kick. Yeah, because he does use his arm, but it's his arm is still in the natural position mm-hmm. that you would expect it to be when a player goes sliding yeah. in like that. It's a total nonsense. Yeah. And, like, what is he supposed to do? I, my my way of looking at it is that it's karma for his his typical antics that go unpunished, like pushing the ref. Yeah. Um, so I'm okay with it only because of karma. His typical antics did go unpunished later in the match where he threw the ball away <laughs> and Ten Hag was talking afterwards that that was why he subbed Bruno uh-huh. out because Bruno threw the ball away. A Sevilla player had already been given a yellow for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And he was worried that Bruno would do that again. Crazy, that, himself a yellow, crazy to a say that card. about your on. Un- field captain just like openly to the press yeah that's how bad it is with him sometimes yeah. um, i don't know how he is earned this armband if he if he like has to be taken off for composure yeah like that's not good i think there were some clear frustrated players for united in the second half just because they should have been up four or five it really felt like and they including uh including on a uh an anthony a lovely anthony hit with his left foot that hits mm-hmm. the post yeah and he was very unlucky players. not to score anthony looked like he had a goal in him today yeah he was one of those players that i was gonna point out as looking really frustrated mm-hmm. at times in the second half because like really felt like they should have gotten a third or a fourth mm-hmm. and put the tie to bed and they just weren't able to find it another fun thing with anthony today him and acuna getting mm-hmm. at it oh yeah brazilian versus argentine uh, they had there. a couple of scraps that I found amusing, including when they got like tangled up, like got each other's faces. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good, Good stuff. stuff all around. That's the stuff you, well, you don't want to see it because like you, you definitely want to see it. And you yeah. shouldn't be fighting. People they both get the themselves field, yellows in the second. Yeah. <laughs> Should be pointed out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so United waves for it. They have at this point, like, you know, Sevilla has a little more possession in the second half. Mm-hmm. They look a little more comfortable on the ball, but United has all these great chances on the counter to really put the tie to bed. They can't come through. And then out of nothing, Sabia find an opening goal. Um, and it's really tough from, from Malasia, who's a player I like. Um, I thought he's, he's had a pretty good year this year, you know, as a, you know, Shaw has been out a lot. So he's had a lot of run in, maybe more than you would have expected at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. 
but he looks like a promising player. That said, this was really tough for him. The how would you describe the butts? It's, it's a it's a ball sort of over the top um, yeah. to the you know to, down to the end line in the box that Malasia seems to lose. Absolutely, he needs to do he better. Seems on to that. lose like... Navas coming behind him, like he thinks no one's there and he's going to let it go out for a goal kick. But Navas is making the run behind him. He realizes too late. Navas cuts back, um, and it deflects off of Malasia and then off of De Gea and yeah. into the goal. Malasia gets the own goal. Um, and it's one of those own goals that you kind of see every once in a while, though. It's not like, not like the second one that we'll talk about later, where it's just mm-hmm. out of nothing and it's kind of a crazy deflection. This yeah. is one where this is a big deflection too. <laughs> it was, but Navas earns this because he beats Malasia. He mm-hmm. puts in a really hard cross on the ground into mm-hmm. danger into a dangerous area. And Malasia has to do something with it. Yeah. So he has to try to get a foot in the way. And every once in a while, you do that, it's going to end up in the back yeah. of the net. Sevilla and... really didn't look like scoring in this game until mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's just it's a really tough individual moment mm-hmm. um, that lets them back into the game. Yeah. And you can see Sevilla took some confidence from that. And they're actually pushing more, I think, than they have most of the rest of the game. Not that they have, like, super clear chances. Um and Naziri actually has the best chance off a header that De Gea saves really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the equalizer does come in stoppage time. And it's one of the worst goals you'll ever see. Uh, it's another deep cross. And Naziri gets up for it. Yeah, he gets way up He gets up way up for it. it. He gets a big head on it, except that it's going like 100 yards wide. It's going straight sideways. It's going so wide. But he hits it so hard that it hits off of poor, poor Harry Maguire's big old noggin yeah. and splashes into the side netting. Nothing De Gea can do. Nothing Maguire can do, really. Yeah. It's, like, just such a random nothing goal that happens, like, one out of a thousand times. Yeah, this second But it's also goal, hilarious. <laughs> the second goal is a little different yeah. from the first in that, like, the first you could see Two own goals in ten minutes. ...happening there. Like, you could see what yeah. a novice was trying to do. You could see why... Malasia is doing what he's doing, and like it happens every once in a while. Mm-hmm. The second one, you're just like, how did that possibly end up this way? Yeah. It's the Sevilla black magic in the Europa League. It is, yeah. and while it's, and while it's total misfortune on United's part, and like plus the one terrible mistake from Malasia, mm-hmm. you really you have to look inward in these moments. Um, they've only themselves to blame for for the complacency in the last twenty minutes. I don't know if I want to say they only themselves well no okay maybe not in the second but there's 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 a level of complacency where they their their passes got less crisp Mm -hmm. um they didn't take their chances Mm -hmm. in the second half in the on the counter that would have put the tie to bed um and then individual error on the first goal you know they really put them they they put themselves in a position that they shouldn't have been in here this should have been a three four nil Mm-hmm. And it should have been. It should have been over. Sevilla, they got sloppy. Teams, you have to put Sevilla away. Yeah, they have to put him away. They, you'd think they would know that. Yeah, <laughs> they played before. <laughs> yeah, like, I think they got they got sloppy in possession a little bit. Mm-hmm. They got sloppy in their own defensive box, um, and they they left that window just ever so slightly cracked. Yeah, and they and got stung. We should by talk, the mosquitoes. Yeah, we should talk about United's injuries as yeah. well. So Varane had to come out at halftime with an injury. He was a huge miss in the second half because mm-hmm. McGuire didn't have a great game. It has to Gasp. be said. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody's shocked by that. Gasp. And then Martinez, super late in the game. He has a ankle foot injury. 
it looks like he has to get carried off mm. by Sevilla players. Yeah, the two, the Argentine connection. Yeah. Was it Cunha and uh, was it who was the other Argentine? I'm gonna cough. You ready? <clears throat> no, it's I'm keeping it in. Uh, was it? I'm keeping it real. Was it Ocampos? Was he the other one carrying them off, or Montiel? Or it could have been Lamelo. Lamelo came off. Yeah, Lamelo. Uh, it was Ocampos. Okay. Um, no, they have too many Argentines. They have so many Argentines. They have so many benched Argentines on this team. <laughs> but yeah, so the Martinez injury did come out early this morning that it's a metatarsal fracture. So better than initial feared because we everyone thought it was an Achilles. Mm. Everyone looked at that and they're like, "That's got to be his Achilles. He can't put any pressure on the foot. He can't move it. Like, gonna be the Achilles." So metatarsal if it doesn't need surgery six weeks his season's probably done mm-hmm. if it does need surgery a little longer but does mean he should be back for the start of next year either way the season is so, done it adds yeah. to a growing list of injury concerns it's just like the yeah. whole last month has just been rotating should, availability should for... we read out the players that might not yeah, be available yeah, yeah, yeah. next week it's that's fun that's good that's so, good clean fun obviously martinez is out bruno's yellow card gives him a suspension rafael Varen unlikely to be ready for the second game. Uh, Marcus Rashford reports are maybe he'll be ready. Probably not. Uh, Scott McTominay, obviously out. Luke Shaw is out. And mm-hmm. of course, really crushing blow, Garnacho. Oh, uh, as well. That's the feeling he might be back. Yeah. Um, the couple of, didn't you say uh, Palestri is suspended too? Is he? I can't remember. I Palestri's. can't remember either. Palestri might be suspended. He definitely suspended. picked up a yellow earlier yeah. as well. Uh, so Palestri suspended. Um, and that also keep in mind that uh, Erickson got back to playing today. He played mm-hmm. the second half, but he's not fit for uh, a full, full match. So yeah, I think, think if he can get enough fitness, maybe he'll start and play the first half or the mm-hmm. second half again. Um, but yeah, they're kind of down to their to plus uh, Martial is not fit for a full not match either. As well. So they're really kind of really kind of uh, picking up scraps here. Mm-hmm. It's, for for who can play, and it's going to have to be a collective uh, effort mm-hmm. on next week if they're going to get through this tie. I still think it's very possible to get through this tie, especially are still like not a good team. <laughs> so especially defensively, though, I mean, yeah, it's, the defensively is going to be tough. It's going to have to be Lindelof and McGuire. Yeah, like that is not. It's old school. It's old school. That's asking. It's a throwback. Trouble, but... It's a United throwback. But you know what? I I also wouldn't. I'm not going to bet against Sevilla, but I'm also not going to bet against Ten Hag. Yeah. Coming up with uh, something creative that that surprises us next week. Yeah, we um, should say too. Sevilla heavily rotated for this game. Uh-huh. A lot of backups. Most notably was uh, Marcel. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Marcel. I haven't really ever seen him play before. Yeah. You know, this was Isn't his, that a bit weird. From this is fourth. Well, they are playing Valencia. Yeah. on the weekend. But this to... is their only chance to get into Europe next season. Yeah, but they lose to Valencia. Yeah. They're back in the relegation yeah. dog fight. Yeah. So I think that they were. And we got to prioritize this yeah. Valencia game. If we win this, we're safe from relegation. Yeah. There'll be eight points clear of Valencia who are in 18th. They will be fine if they win that game. Mm-hmm. But if they lose it, suddenly they're two points clear, right? They're dragged back into that fight. Sure. Things get a little sketchy. So I understand prioritizing that, but. And also they don't have the gaps between their first and second. second. They're not that clear yeah. this season. Like, so. I have no idea what their best team is at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of it was most notably in the defense with yeah. uh, Nianzu and then as well. You think Ocampos, Lamella, Rakitic, they're all like first choice pretty much. Acuna yeah. on the left. Rakitic isn't super. What's the thing? Is that the, what is their first choice? Like, that's a good question. <laughs> it's impossible with them. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, yeah. So next week will be very interesting. Can United break the curse of Sevilla? Yeah. Finally. And Sevilla have been much better at home, but United uh-huh. very comfortable going to Spain at this point. Yeah, they've done it a lot. Yeah. And they've had great success. Yeah. Um. Why don't we move on to Feyenoard one nil Roma? Mm-hmm. Um. This was a this was an interesting one. Um. We were talking about how Feyenoord really needed to get a win here to get have a chance of getting through this tie um and they did it was tight it was tight and uh the xg will say that roma was the much better team i don't know if it felt like that i thought i was gonna say when i was watching it it really it wasn't that stark that roma would have had a much higher xg yeah i I was gonna say when i was watching it and then at the end i would have probably guessed roma had drawn or maybe scored an yeah. extra goal, but I don't think that XG tells the whole story here. One yeah, zero is not a crazy result, no. Especially because Pellegrini had a penalty that he missed, uh-huh. which was not a deserved penalty. Yeah, like I agree. We'll get I mean, to that. Yeah. So um, that also, inflates the XG and kind of. Yeah, we'll get to that. So um, and also Roma, you know, it's not like they had peppered the goal. They had three shots on target, one big chance, which was probably the penalty. Yeah. So I don't think penalties. Okay. So yeah, it, it wasn't like it wasn't. I think that's a little bit of an of just like a volume thing to some degree, plus the penalty. Yeah. Um, but let's get it. Let's get into it here. First of all, I wanted to say Feyenoord looks like a really awesome place to watch a game. Yeah. It's a cool atmosphere. It's a cool ground. Um, and Rotterdam's a nice city. Um, and I will say Roma did actually take some initiative at the beginning. Yeah. Um, they definitely looked the more experienced and savvy of the sides. I'd say in the, a lot of the first period, um, they did sort of their usual thing of like just lump in as many fucking crosses as humanly possible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and hope Dybala does something fun. Um, but Dybala was unfortunately not out there for very long. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of took away that whole route for that. He came off when? 26th minute. And that becomes super important when Roma are given a penalty in the 40 something. Yeah. Um, and my notes here are what the fuck is the penalty called for? A slight shirt pull in the box? That's fucking harsh, man. Yeah. Or did they call it because of the handball, which is literally by his side? Fuck me. <laughs> UEL VAR is such an adventure. Those are my notes. The um, UEL VAR is an adventure. The commentator, it was such a bad call that the commentator didn't even know it was for live. Yeah. We couldn't tell which thing. I think it was for the handball. I think it was for the handball It's as well. by his fucking side. Yeah. It's an, not, it's a, I don't think they should have called it's it. It's some classic, like, that's the, the thing that keeps, that we keep harping on in these two competitions is that whatever like var trickles down to this level is so unclear and inconsistent and it's really frustrating because we talk we keep beating this dead horse but like other than you know whatever the fuck's been going on the premier league the last two months there's like leagues have usually found some level of consistency as to what they call and what they don't uh but for and the champions league too we know the champions league for instance is going to be harsher about handballs yeah it's etc cetera, etc cetera. but at least there's some like you, you kind of expect calls yeah and I, in, in this competition i have no idea what's going to be called and what isn't i do wonder how much of that is because all these referees and these bar teams are coming from different different leagues, leagues yeah. different countries but i just think, so I think they have different standards domestically i think it's pretty clear watching sports. watching these two competitions especially that the 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 uefa needs to like make some fucking rules clear because yeah. because this is like the wild west of the beginning of var it where really where like every single thing was called and nobody could figure out what the fuck was going on in any yeah. of the leagues 
and we're, we should be past that. So that's my that's my rant. This is a I bad know. call. Either way, justice was served. Yeah, you uh, know I'm one for conspiracies, uh, and I find them fun and exciting, uh, unless they're harmful conspiracies, uh, like the yeah, birds yeah, one. The sure. birds not being real, very harmful conspiracy. Don't believe in that. But this, I almost am starting to believe a conspiracy that I've been joking about for a while, and that's that referees are intentionally screwing up VAR because they don't, they don't like, like it. it. I thought you were going to say that Jose was paying off yeah. Euro- European league. No. <laughs> Just so he has something to complain about at the end of matches. I was saying so he could fucking, so he can win the conference league and the Europa yeah. league back-to-back years. But I like, I honestly am starting to believe this. I mean, the Premier League VAR stuff, this, like, term has mm-hmm. been outrageous very simple like yeah. mistakes that are just the rules inexplicable are yeah. Yeah, not that we haven't really seen in years bad like offside people... call like yeah yeah things that you saw at the first like couple months of bar when yeah. people weren't no sure idea what's going it. on yeah yeah and i think this I like is, that conspiracy like in europe conspiracy bloom quest. i feel like sometimes you have calls where it's like you know it'll smack a hand but the hand's literally touching your body and it's like then they call that like this one but then others where it'll be like a hand is sticking out or yeah. somebody just clears somebody out from behind and they don't even look at it. It's just the inconsistency is crazy. Just like the weather. It's 87, 87 here degrees. in Brooklyn in the middle of April. Go yeah. figure. Um, but either way, Pellegrini's uh, penalty crashes against the post. Yeah. And the keeper also guesses right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if Bilo gets there or not. But I think he would have got there. He might. Long frame. Um, either way, justice was served. Uh, unfortunate for Dybala, who probably would have scored if he was out there. Yeah, Dybala has um, been really consistent on penalties. So a lot of the game felt like Feyenoord building up, um, trying and failing to break down the Roma block, mm-hmm. and then Roma lumped crosses in. <laughs> yeah. And they definitely could have scored from some. Yeah, Roma had chances. Like they, like the, I think it was clear that the the Rotterdamers need to do better at preventing some of these crosses in good positions because they didn't, there wasn't a lot of pressure on the ball in some of those cases. And that's one thing if they're from way deep and whatever, they can defend that. But there are instances where I felt like they're slow to, to, to close out and sort of stop these balls coming in. And that's Roma's strength. Like Roma wants to get into good positions for crosses and hit the six yard for Tammy and stuff. And there was a lot of the ball bouncing around in the box and looking kind of dicey for them. And I think that's, they're going to have to be, sharper on that defensive yeah. end and that to if they're gonna not concede three times in Rome yeah. next week. Especially I mean Zalewski was killing them on the right. He was getting mm-hmm. so much space and creating so much space for himself to put crosses in. Mm-hmm. And I mean he's young, he's exciting and fast, but he's a player that you should be able to track. Yeah. You know um, they also need to yeah I think Fine would also need to find a way to get the ball into the box a little more mm-hmm. because it was a lot of long shots. Yeah, the yeah goal, I think they had two shots inside the box yeah. of their 12 total today. The goal came, though, from um, actually getting into deep into into the final third. Yeah. Uh, Idrissi takes on Zalewski, gets all the way to the touchline, and then floats a cutback sort of all the way to the 18, where Beefer connects on a volley, which he hits into the turf and makes it all the way into the netting. It's really good finish. It is a great finish. It's bad defense from Zalewski. Yeah, I mean, that's his issue, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. He gets he's beaten a, so easily, dude. It's he's like a true walk- wing back. Yeah. So he gets beaten so easily on that one. It made me think. Made me wonder why Idrisi wasn't trying to isolate him more often. Actually, yeah. I think part of it is that Mancini knows that uh-huh. Zalewski is sorry, not a good defender. Yeah. Like so, Mancini want to leave is, him on the island. Yeah, Mancini was cheating over that way mm-hmm. uh, constantly throughout the game, which I think he had to you do. Have to yeah. And, 
but it did put a lot of pressure on Smalling and Ibanez, who lived up to it today. I thought they both had really good games, but mm-hmm. this one time, you get beat one time, Mancini's not quite where he wants yeah. to be. I mean, Beaver still has a lot to do, it should be said. Yes, like, it's not it's not like a tap-in. No. Um, it's a, probably not that high of an XG opportunity. No, you can, but let's it, check it, what, uh, I don't know what XG uses. They, it's 0.04 XG. Uh-huh. 0.34. Yeah, and also it should target. be noted that not everybody has the same XG measurements, yeah. so but we generally, just use FOTMOB for the yeah. average. Yeah, generally speaking, not uh-huh. a high opportunity chance, but... No, but it was a gets, good finish, and they it got in ball. a good position. They, they need more of that if they're gonna if they're gonna yeah. score again in Rome next week. Uh, Roma's best chance of the game came from, you guessed it, a header on a corner. Yeah. Uh, it's somehow cleared to the top corner cleared from the top corner of the goal. Um, and it's actually Idrisi who saves the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, he the, he heads the ball off the line um, from inside the goal. It hits the underside of the bar and then goes down onto the line and it's somehow cleared from there. Uh, the hero twice over today, Idrisi. Yeah. Um, it's just about as far over the line as you can possibly get. Yeah. He's <laughs> in the 63rd minute. Millimeters away. Uh all the Roma players instantly kind of like stop playing because they're like, that yeah. was in, which gives Feyenoord that like split second mm-hmm. you need to make sure you clear it. Other, I mean, they probably would have cleared it mm-hmm. anyway, but this is why goal line technology is great because yeah. all the Roma players turn and look at the referee. He's just pointing at his watch saying, no, no mm-hmm. goal. And they have to get on with it. But yeah, I think uh, Feyenoord will be happy, Very happy to have the one nil here. Uh, probably flatters them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Roma um sort of run out if they're not scoring from their you know from their headers and their corners they're they sort of run out of ideas sometimes mm-hmm. um that said they i don't think they'll feel in a dangerous position going home they're really good back they home. might though i mean they should because offensively i mean tammy had to leave in the 50 I mean, they just and their, their problem is goals it's like they just don't yeah. score that much so well, that's why I think they should be nervous because yeah. one, the ball left in the twenty sixth. That's true. That's the Dybala thing could be scary. And yeah. Tammy left in the fifty eighth minute with uh, a shoulder injury, uh-huh. which looked pretty bad. Uh-huh. I, I mean, it's a shoulder injury, so who knows, right? Those things can just be really painful, and then you're fine a few days later. It's also soccer. Technically, you're not supposed to use your shoulder very much. <laughs> but as a striker, you know, it's can be an impact when you're trying to sh- like struggle off defenders and. So if they're having to play Osharway, who's been very good this year, um, Belotti and Pellegrini, that's just not as dangerous a front three. Jose said Dybala had a, has a muscular issue. Okay. We don't know what that means. So. Yeah. So they'll get an assessment. Dybala always. Uh, probably get an assessment right now. Yeah. Dybala always has a muscular issue. Doctor. Oh, it's the thigh again. Uh, yeah. Dude, so, his legs are just not cut yeah, out for right. the professional game anymore. If he's it's, not fit for. Uh, if he's not fit for next week, it's gonna. That's gonna. They're gonna suffer. Yeah. Um, because... That said, they keep bullshitting their way through anyway. So yeah. I'm. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Solbakken's also out yeah. already. So that's just another attacking player yeah. that they have. And Feyenoord, they do have a little league cushion, so they should they should be able to throw everything at this second leg. Yeah. And honestly, I do think they'll need to play better than this, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, this wasn't their strongest foot forward. I think they'll need to play better than this to 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 get through. Mm-hmm. But um, as Jose said. The game is about putting the ball in, in the, the net. In the net. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move we on to Germ. Yeah, or should not? we stay? Okay, yeah, let's go to Germany. We said it already, so we're yeah. gonna go. Uh, Leverkusen won, won, 
Union St. Joas, they keep doing it. It's my two favorites they right keep now. Doing it, mine too. There, the the hipster game of the week did not disappoint. Um, you USG man, they know how to play some football. Yeah. Um, I was really excited about this game for partially a reason that played out, which is the transitional moments mm-hmm. of the game. You know, both teams kind of want to transition fast on you. Um, and then so each was a little vulnerable when getting countered from a counter, yeah. <laughs> those, those sort of moments um, where the ball is nicked um, off the counter and then you get, go back the other way. Yeah. There's some really fun, like open play moments of players just running at each other, players that are good at running at each other, running at each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, just a bit of fun. Uh, the counter, the counter counters. Um, and the star of the game, Victor Boniface. Star of many games. Star now. of many games. He did not disappoint. He had this ridiculous moment in the 28th minute where he sort of goes like shoulder to shoulder with the defender, uh, takes a tumble, does like a full roll, like an army roll, gets up, and then continues with the ball, crosses up a defender, and then hits a low shot that's headed bottom corner that the keeper saves. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) What did I just see? It was like, it was some like amazing shit. Um, It was probably the moment of the game for me. It was a lot of fun. And then the results at corner from that effort goes off the bar. Yeah. So it's just the value. St. Joe's has this amazing pattern the last couple of years where they lose their all-time legend leading goal scorer. And then the next guy becomes the all-time legend yeah. leading goal scorer. It happened, you know, Undav. And then, and then before um, that. Yeah. The guy who just got in trouble. What's his name? The West Ham or the guy in Brighton. Oh, and, uh, he was Undav, and then and the guy who just got in trouble. Just, just in, got in trouble. What's his name? MLS. Yeah, um, I should know this. I did. You my, could know this. I did the whole thing. But up. <laughs> we, we also just had a conversation about this uh-huh. yesterday because mm-hmm. the MLS put out the. It was only a six-game suspension. Yeah, he did a racist. He did a, a racist slur. Which did, is I don't know which slur was it. The N-word. It was the N-word. Oh, boy. it's obviously not enough. Um, yeah, and so dumb. So we just talked about it, and I think we're both just blanking on the name right now. Well, um, we don't like him anymore. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, game continues on. <laughs> Hinkapie has a big Bonzier. Bonzier, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Undav was their leading scorer. He leaves. They're like, oh, we're like, oh no, what's gonna happen? Then Bonzier just scores all the goals for them. Yeah. Same thing here with Boniface. It just they just have the next guy in line every time. Boniface just also keeps um, hitting. I guess not keeps hitting. It's only been two times, but he um, came from like the lovable underdog fucky team. Photo glimped moves to Union Saint Gerald with the lovable fucky underdog yeah. team making a run in Europe. Well, yeah, it's just fucking these fucking Tony Bloom teams, man. They're yeah. so well run. It's annoying. Yeah. Uh, Hincapié has a big headed chance after the keeper Maurice misjudges a deep delivery in the box, and he's falling away. But he does have a side of goal. He's only able to steer it into the side netting. Um, and Saint Joas punishes uh the lack of finishing from Leverkusen, uh just after half, and it's a brilliant goal. Um, it's really handy build up from the Belgian side. Work the ball from the midfield uh, to Boniface on the right edge of the box, and the Nigerian star in the making does the rest. Right-footed effort nestling in the bottom corner. It's a fabulous finish. That is seventh of the competition. Wow. Um, it's like a combination of uh, it's like a you know like a curler side foot mm-hmm. with uh, like precision and also like the power of hitting with the yeah. laces. He kind of does both. It was. Like a world class striker's goal. Yeah. Like it's from outside the box. I think it's inside the box, but not that far yeah. outside the box. Yeah. It's, like it's right by the yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's because because it, it's in the side. That's why. Yeah, he get he so receives it at the side. He receives it yeah. at the edge of the box and yeah. then takes a couple so yards. In, yeah, but still, I mean, just the precision and the power, like you said. You're right. It's the kind of goal that a world class goal scorer, yeah, buries and nobody else. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I, the precision and the power, the combination of the two is is very unique. Yeah, and difficult. Um, that's anyway. That's in the fifty first minute. Um, and then, um. Uh, well, I, I do want to say one thing though is that Tapsoba, the def- the defender mm-hmm. who's guarding in there, it does happen very fast in his defense. But also, he should know which that he's going to cut in with his right, right foot yeah. there, and his body position is wrong. He lets them get a, he lets him get that shot up way too easily. Yeah. Um, but you know what are you going to do? And then Frimpong has a huge chance in the seventy eighth minute. It's another deep cross that the goalkeeper misjudges mm-hmm. second time. Um. And he basically has an empty net. This is much worse than the Frimpong chance. Yeah. He has no or sorry, than the uh than the Hincapier chance. Yeah. He basically has an empty net. Especially and all he has to do is direct it onto goal. Somehow he puts it across the the, the front of the goal. I don't yeah. know how he quite manages that. Especially because you expect Frimpong to be a player uh-huh. who can bury that. And Hincapier more of a, He's a def- actual yeah. defender. Yeah. Like Frimpong technically a defender, yeah. but not, not really so. a defender. Uh in Kapia, you're you can forgive him, yeah, because it's not his job. I really right. don't know how he misses it so badly. Like, yeah. I, it's it's a mystery. But they do find their breakthrough late, and it's a beauty from our fave Florian Verts. Asmoon lays it off to him at the top of the circle, um, and crashes at bottom corner. Yeah, and honestly, Verts hadn't even really had that good of a game before then. I think no, he was he... there was a lot of times he gets into the, you know, he enters the final third looking for his last little move or pass or finish, and he didn't really have it all day. Yeah. Um, but he sure found it here. Yeah. We should say, though, he did, you know, outside of the goal, he created two chances. Mm-hmm. He did 92 touches. Jeez. Yeah. I Five just feel like in a lot of those places where you'd usually see him, you'd see him slide right. in. Yeah. Like the perfect pass. He had a couple where he yeah. like, missed control. He didn't get the right pass on. It wasn't, he wasn't like shining like yeah. usual. I was trying to give like the context yeah, of yeah, a bad yeah. game by Burtz's standard. It's, it's still, still like a pretty he's solid still game. in and around. It's not like he disappears. He yeah. just didn't have the final ball mm-hmm. or shot in on him until this moment. Um, I don't know. About All you, it takes but is one moment. One opportunity. Uh, the Again, the XG will tell you that Leverkusen deserved to win. I'm not so sure that's the case. I think... 1-1 one, one was probably about fair. Yeah, I do want to say uh, in the second half as a whole, but really after the goal, uh-huh. Leverkusen kind of grabbed it by the scruff. Yeah. Like, we need to get the you draw here. You need to, yeah. So Union were, like, being more defensive, mm-hmm. kind of shifting back, and they're very good at doing that. So I think the XG might be a little inflated because it's one of those, like, mm-hmm. Leverkusen are just constantly yeah. trying and trying and trying to find the goal. Yeah. Well, Union are not time-wasting when they get the ball, but mm-hmm. they're not being direct. They're kind of like a little more passive. Yeah. Bot Mob claims St. Jules didn't have any big chances, but to me, they felt pretty dangerous anytime mm-hmm. they got into that attacking third in yeah. transition. They're um, just a dangerous team. They I mean, are. Like, you look at just at their front, I guess, eight, right? Or seven, if we include the midfield. Like, guys like Teddy Tuma, Linen, Vertessen, and Boniface can score from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, so you just constantly have to be aware of mm-hmm. them. And every time they have the ball, it feels like they could score. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like the way, even though Leverkusen are always going to be dangerous um, in attack, mm-hmm. they do, 
St. Joel's does sort of still want to play. They do want to soak up the pressure a little bit um, and then set up their counters. So they're actually set up pretty well next week. Obviously, they got a great result here, mm-hmm. but I think they're like decently set up to uh, actually advance to the semifinal at this point. And it's like hard to call them an underdog, really, um, at this stage. Like they've just proven time and time again that they're capable of beating this quality of team. So I think Leverkusen's going to have to be sharper if they want to actually knock these guys out because I'm not picking against them anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we should also say just got to be careful given Nuno Sancho while set pieces too because mm. Burgess is always dangerous from there. Six foot six. Teddy Tuma on the delivery. Two. Got the assist today too. Yeah, you did. Uh, let's do Juve sporting in less time. Uh, <laughs> it finishes one nil. Um, yet another one where the where the team with the worst XG gets the result. But um, that's just kind of what that's just the happens it's been in the day UV games. It's been the day, yeah. Um, interesting for sporting news. Uh, their uh, their teenager Yusuf, I guess you call Kermiti Kermeti. Sure. Uh, I think his name is eighteen year old. Mm-hmm. He started up top, which was interesting. I think. Paulinho is injured. Yeah. Um, yes. First European game. Um, Juve had the better of the first 20 minutes or so, um, but Sporting really grew into the game and threatened for the rest of the half um, with sort of steady, steady, like, stream of buildup, slowly letting letting out some steam. Um, and then Juve's goal comes in the second from a corner, and unfortunately it's a mistake for Adan in goal, mm-hmm. um, who just misses his punch. Um, and Vlavic is there to lay off to, to Gatti. Yeah, it was one of those It I feel like it's every time I watch a Yuvi game, there's some point in the game where there's a scramble in front of goal and Vlaovic should turn the ball in but it somehow gets blocked or saved uh-huh. and it falls to another player to score. Yeah. <laughs> like, Vlaovic just cannot be the ones to score for Juve. Uh-huh. This time it was uh, Federico Gatti who... He was 24. Yeah. So much older than I thought. <laughs> well, because not that long ago he was playing for Verbania Mm. In the Excellenza. Wow. I don't even know what that is. Fifth tier in Italy, Oh, wow. Which, if you remember, is split starting from the third tier onward. That's so nice this story. is like way further down yeah. than a normal fifth tier would be. That's a nice story. That's kind of Ethan Pinnock esque. Yeah. So he went from the fifth tier, he got promoted with them up to Serie D, transfers to Pro Patria in Serie mm-hmm. G, gets the move to Frosinone, mm-hmm. and then finally the move to Juventus, and now he's scoring in the Europa League. Mm. Crazy, crazy career, crazy yeah. rise for him. A couple of other notes here. We have a Pogba sighting. Yeah, Pogba played. Lovely. He entered the game. Um, another thing, a little more serious, is that Chesney went out with some sort of heart issue. Yeah, he, he says something. he's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little always a little scary. Uh, but Perrin comes in. And that's going to be important because he ends up playing a crucial role in stoppage time, where he makes a a back to back point blank saves. Um on Pedro Gonzalez and Hector Bellerin. The Gonzalez uh, attempt is forgivable. The Bellerin miss on the follow-up, not so. Yeah, I don't know how he put... I, 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 if you take a still from that, mm-hmm. as he's approaching the ball, you'd be like, oh, nine time, 9.9 times out of 10, he yeah. should finish that. And he kicks it right at Perrin. Credit to Perrin. Who does a great job getting back. Never easy to come in the last 15 minutes and, like, did he not. call into action like that? He came in at halftime. Oh, he did? Or right before half. Yeah, oh, I so thought 44th. it was second half. No, 44th. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's not easy to do. Yeah. So credit to him. But he also does a great job just scrambling back across the goal, making himself big, taking up as much uh-huh. space as possible. He did everything a goalkeeper 
could do in that situation. So he deserves a little bit of credit on that. But yeah, mm-hmm. Bellerine should still find the empty parts of the net there. Oh, so he really should. It's be- And it ends 1-0. Pretty even game. Uh, Sporting probably getting the slight better of the chances. Um, I think they should feel okay about the return leg, given how they played today. Yeah, but Juventus is not a team I would want to have I mean, to score no. against. Yeah, but yeah. like they probably should have scored today. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. I feel like every time a team plays Juventus, you say... Yeah, but they you lost probably... 1-0 on the road. Oh, no, no. You take yeah. the result. But... I think they played well. I think they'll yeah. take some part in... I mean, they keep playing well in the Europa League. Like, yeah. they look way better than they do in the league. So, yeah. you know, I think this is still a toss-up. I'm just gonna obviously s- you want to favor Juve, but I think it's still I think it's still to play for. Yeah, I'm just gonna say Juventus is like, I feel yeah, like I know it's Juventus, every other game. It. It's like, man, Juventus get a little outplayed, should have allowed a goal, but yeah. they somehow don't. And I get it. Yeah, so I feel like if I'm looking on from the outside, I'm like, oh man, that's gonna be tough for Sporting to score against Juventus because they just have a way of locking teams down. When well, they really shouldn't. No. Yeah. Well, that's the Europa League. Yeah. Let's, um, the conference let's do it. What game do you want to start with? Let's start with the 1245 game, Ghent and West Ham. Love it. Yeah. This Love it. Was also probably the big ticket game, maybe? I guess. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't really a big ticket game. No. But next round, maybe we'll get it. Next on. round, there should be. Yeah. Um, this one, I don't really know what to say because West Ham should have done better, but Ghent held their own. I mean, made this a very, very even game. I think Ghent won one. I think Ghent was unlucky to not win this game. Yeah. Um, well, sort of their own, of their own making. Yes. But yeah, Ghent, frankly, were all over them in the first half. Um, so many chances from corners, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, West Ham looks to have the opener um, late in the second half, but, uh, and it's about as against the run of play as you can get, really. It's a simple catch from a corner. And the goalkeeper roof literally just drops it. Like just drops the ball. Like I've never seen. I mean, it's something else. Yeah. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, that has to be a foul on Aguirre because no goalkeeper yeah. just drops the ball. He just, dro- he just dropped it. And Aguirre is standing right there, and it just sort of goes in off of him. But yeah. technically, it comes off his hand last. Yeah. Um. Even though it's at his side, you get it. You can't score with your hand. Yeah. So <laughs> the ball looks like it might already be going in the goal yeah. anyway. It's but... un- I I like the rule. I don't think yeah, it's unlucky for Aguirre there, but... but it's so so very fortunate for Roof. Like yeah. he's a very lucky lad. Yeah, it was that super was... lucky for Aguirre first yeah. that the ball just kind of uh-huh. falls to him, but then unlucky that he uses his hand because clearly accidental. But mm-hmm. yeah, it looks right like ball. looks like we're gonna go in nil nil at the break. Was a good catch by Bar because uh, yeah. the ref didn't see it at yeah. first. Yeah, uh, it the looks ref like didn't see it at first, but yeah. Bar. Saw it very clearly on the replay, and we're like, oh, we got to send that down. So it's looking like a nil-nil at the break, but uh, a quick throw um, from West Ham wakey, into wakey. the box. Wakey, and the ref goes, or the, the commentator goes, wakey, wakey, uh, as Lenzini receives in the box and squares for an easy tap into Ings for the opening goal. The, the Ghent defenders were still congratulating themselves for the previous clearance, yeah, and they forgot that you can be offside on a throw. Yeah. Uh, only themselves to blame. Nice uh, moment of recognition for the Hammers forwards, but mm-hmm. it's really bad from Ghent. Those two, they, they could have been down 2-0 from two really fucking stupid things. Yeah. Um, West Ham didn't really... Yeah, when I when I first saw, uh, when I checked at West Ham's chances in the first half, on uh, it was just after the Aguard goal before it had been ruled out. Mm-hmm. So they had like a 0.8 XG and like no shots. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, basically they West Ham had like two shots the entire half. Yeah. Um and they didn't really have they like them was four the entire game. Yeah, one of so, them was a tap in. Yeah. They were very selective in their shots too. I mean yeah. just in and, general throughout the game, they would pass yeah. up a couple potential shooting opportunities trying to work for a better one, which uh-huh. feels like the opposite of what you normally see English teams do in Europe, which is we're gonna pepper your goal. Well and try it's to different with West Ham if you're like I mean, West Ham didn't have all the possession in this game. They had less yeah. possession than Ghent did. Yeah. Um but I, Ghent really for me, only have themselves to blame being down at half. Like absolutely, they've let West Ham basically get a get a couple freebies here, yeah. um, just from sloppy, like lack of concentration, um, and you know, Ghent kind of hadn't really threatened in a bit, um, before the fifty seventh minute, but then a lovely build up move through the center of the pitch plays Kuipers into the box, takes it sideways onto his left, finishes on the right side of the goal. It's a nice goal. Very nice goal. Yeah. Um, and definitely what they deserve um, in terms of their, their sort of general buildup and chances created over the course of the game. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like a deserved equalizer. Mm-hmm. And they were threatening Gift Orban, uh, not directly involved in the goal, but, mm-hmm. man, he created so many good chances today mm-hmm. and just looked really lively. Uh, so Kuiper's turned it in very much deserved at that time. Yeah, and the equalizer seems to kind of elevate the energy for them. Mm-hmm. And in the in the stands, um, suddenly the, they're really on attack a lot. They're dispossessing West Ham a lot, it seems like, and transitioning quickly. Um, and then we almost get our second overhead kick stunner of the day. Uh, Orban tries one from like 18 yards out, yeah. and he loops it, and it hits the crossbar. I know. Oh, <laughs> so close. It wasn't as crazy technique as, the, as one will find out later. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll save that, but, uh, for the Nice match, but, uh, yeah, it was, it would have been ridiculous. Um, and then even though again, we're the better team all second half also, they almost give the game away again <laughs> in the 93rd minute, uh, center back Okumu gives the ball away to Paqueta and he's sort of running free in the box. Piotowski comes over or Piotowski. I don't know. It's been... Piotowski, Piotowski. He comes over with a last grasp challenge. It looks like it's just outside the box, and it looks like he clear it cleans him out. The ref gives him a straight red. Goes to VAR. Turns out, another great use of VAR. He gets the ball. It's a brilliant yeah. tackle. It's actually an amazing tackle, and it's a game-saving tackle, uh, possibly tie-saving tackle from the center back, and he really bails his buddy out. Mm-hmm. Um, game ends 1-1. Um Akumu should be sucking his dick after that. Um, but Ghent really, truly have only themselves to blame for not winning, I feel. Because West Ham were pretty woeful for the most part. Yeah. Um, West Ham will be pleased with the draw, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of it was West Ham playing bad or Ghent just being really good West today Ham are just and bad. kind of shutting them out. Yeah. I mean, West Ham are not a great team. But Ghent kind of just shut West Ham out of the mm-hmm. game. They were way more physical. They were faster, stronger, bigger. Harder, is, better, faster, stronger. Which is kind of ironic against an English team, which is probably the biggest league that prides itself on being really physically dominant in Europe. And they got out physical by again. What are West Ham good at right now? They're um, not good at anything. No, I agree. <laughs> like, they used to be the thing is like they're really, like, they're great at set pieces, or it's like, oh, they're really tough. And like, yeah. what are they good at? Mm. Don't, they're I not don't good at anything. Answer, yeah, that's the thing. That's why I'm like going home one one. You're like, yeah, West Ham should win, but like, will they? Yeah. I don't know. This is also the... I picked this as a possible upset uh, beforehand, and I still think that's very much the case. This is still the most likely upset 
not be, and a little also because Ghent have two really informed strikers in Kuipers and Orban. Like it only takes a couple of chances to get knocked out at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is that Ghent will have to be sharper and like have their heads on a little straighter than they were today because they had those couple like those three moments where they could have conceded three times or they could have lost, you know, Kitkowski to a red if that had been upheld. You know, there's just a lot of those things where it's like they have to clean that up yeah. if they're going to, if they want to pull the upset. It's also the first time West Ham had played like a really capable team in this competition. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, group stage, Silkborg, not really a great team. Stabuk rest were terrible in the group mm-hmm. stage. Andelect were a absolute mess in the first half of the season mm-hmm. and they're a little better now we'll talk about them a in a second now. but they're still way behind Ghent on the table yeah like Ghent have been a much better team well, yeah. throughout the season like, been, I mean it's the last two months under like have been they've definitely turned it around much yeah. better but at the time West Ham were playing them mm-hmm. like were a mess they're a mess uh and then you know AEK Larnaca in the round of 16 not top competition so no. it's a little worrying if you're a West Ham fan that like the first time you play a team that's somewhat competitive for this competition yeah you're not you're getting outplayed yeah and that's definitely a concern good I'll, news is that Aguirre didn't have any horrible moments today good <laughs> for him so that's good yeah he almost scored a goal too. he almost scored yeah. a goal well let's move on to i guess underlect the team we just mentioned do it yeah they underlect were pretty good today a bit of a surprise too a bit of a surprise yeah yeah uh they were not a sh- not home. shocking yeah it they were at home too, which adds to yeah. it. But this is actually... nothing over Azed. We should mm-hmm. we should lead with the score. Yeah, probably yeah. right. This is probably the uh, worst game of the day for mm-hmm. excitement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Azed did not look up you, for it. If I you did. look up uh, the highlights on YouTube, but I bet it'll be the shortest highlight package. <laughs> no, it was a uh, UV uh, Sport. Uh, <laughs> it's like there just wasn't minutes. there wasn't much in it. Like the, there there weren't a lot of high quality chances. You'd say, you know, it was a lot of um, sort of half chances and crosses and like sort of a lack of momentum. Yeah. Um, the difference in the game really was two moments of quality from Anderlecht and none for AZ pretty much. Yeah. In the first one, in the first half, I thought Anderlecht were the better team. So was it, uh, it was Mario's goal was in the first half, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mario scores with a header. And I thought that was a deserved lead for Anderlecht at the time. But the second goal in the second half came out of nothing. Azed yeah. were... There was a total of one big chance in this game Yeah, between the two teams. Um, it was uh, Ashimiru's just kind of allowed space and buries the ball in the bottom right corner. Yeah, we should was... say the first uh, the first goal uh, I mean, it was not even from the most threatening sequence either. It was just like a bit of possession, a few crosses. Yeah. And then, like, Dreyer's touchline cross is met by right back and Panamanian, which is fun. Michael Murillo, mm-hmm. um, who sort of, uh, he makes like a slashing run and gets a gl- nice glancing header. But, and it's a decent goal, but it is also kind of out of a, like many minutes of buildup, which were non-threatening. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the second, the second goal, as you said, is kind of similar. Like, yeah. Amuzu gets, takes a touch, uh, the ball to touch, to the touchline. Mm-hmm. He lofts across to the, back to the top of the box, kind of similar to the, the vert school. Yeah. Or not the first goal, um, I'm sorry. Um, I know which one you're thinking of in my mind. We should probably verbalize it. The final goal. For the podcast, yeah. Um, yeah, what and then, it? what is it, Ashimaru? Yeah, Ashimaru. Yeah, he hits a beauty past Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, it was really those two moments of just like, of, of quality that were the different. I mean, yeah, you'd say Underlife was a little bit better, but it wasn't like, 
not right. I mean, no. This nil nil could have been fair. <laughs> yeah, I do want to say the Amuzu assist for Ashimura mm-hmm. is great. That's nice. I mean, he yeah. does a Ashimura still has a lot to do. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But Amuzu is going full sprint and in like three steps walls the defender to sleep by pulling mm-hmm. off very Raphael layout esque would probably be the other person I see do this a lot where you like full sprint kind of lull the defender into thinking like oh he's just going to take the ball slowly coming with the cross because he's like pulls up in those three steps and then boom as soon as he gets to the ball full sprint again the change yeah. of pace was incredible such acceleration on him gets him past was it um who did he go past was it I think it was Kamo was the one out there defending him at the time but that might be wrong I don't remember who the defender was Bekuma. yeah yeah um, he was uh, Bekuma. 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 okay um, you are the Dutch expert on this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, so he does just a great job beating the defender and getting space for the cross. So I just wanted to highlight that because it was very, very good by him. Uh, yeah, AZ yeah. were just really crying out for like some quality from someone today. Yeah, and it just didn't come. And you know they're they're still you know a solid team, but their 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 seasons their form has hit a little bit of a wall here mm-hmm. uh, where they can't keep up at the top of the Dutch league, which you know whatever, but. That's no. It's just that they're not. They don't look like the attacking force that they did at points in this competition earlier when they were in really good form. So I wonder if they have enough in them to go score three goals in the, yeah. at home. I I mean it's possible. Since the Lazio win, they've won four straight games without a win. So it's losses at Twent to Heroven, a draw to Heroven, a loss to Sparta Rotterdam. And now a loss to Anderlecht. Yeah, they're just is... not scoring a lot of goals there. Yeah, um, goals over those four games. So, I mean, they'll have a great atmosphere. Anderlecht had a good atmosphere today. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just going to have to – they're going to have to be a little braver yeah. um, and push. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Anderlecht, definitely the favorites to go through now, you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to Basel and Nice. Yeah. Finishes 2-2 in Switzerland. Um, Basel continue to get results that – that don't make any sense given their league form. <laughs> uh, um, this was this this had this was a bit more exciting than the than the previous game. Yeah, um, and it was not one I thought would be exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you were a little more hopeful for Basel than I was, but they were in bad form. Yeah, they're from manager. Yeah, uh, it. I mean, I don't think they're going to go through the top. No, uh, but everything felt like it was coming up nice. Doesn't this feel like coming up nice? <laughs> Uh, doesn't this uh doesn't Basel seem like they've had like four interim coaches this season? Yes, <laughs> I think they've had three. Girls, <laughs> so. Um, but anyway, they get the scoring going through a penalty from Amduni. But what did you think of this penalty call? I thought it was a clear penalty. I thought it was probably a penalty, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I feel like I see you see a lot. You like two people have like they sort of come together on a play like that, and I it's not goes, called. He goes in way too. I think it's silly it's... from Todibo. Basically, I'll describe it to the listener here. Yeah, it's a simple long ball, and the ball is. Uh, yeah, Doye tries to get a touch. It's going long. Nice's whole back line gets totally caught out. Yeah, but he, like... it's a heavy touch, and it's going. The keeper's going to get it, and then Todibo just sort of shoulders him over for no. Like he didn't need to. The ball is gone. Like he's not going to get to the ball. Maybe, but no, he's not going to get to watch it again. He's not going to get to that ball. No, there's no way. And it's like something that I've, I feel like that's something I've seen not given actually. Um, but I think there is a li- enough in like the, in the shove, in the, in yeah, the arm I, motion, you know, if it's just shoulder. Yeah. It's, I don't think it was just shoulder, shoulder. He, there's enough in it. The there's enough in it that I could see it being called. I think I've also it's like a, seen it not being called. It's like a charge in basketball. Yeah. Like he goes in, he lowers the shoulder. 
He gives the shove and he extends the arm. Yeah. And it's just totally not. I mean, this is totally unnecessary. It's kind of like an immature moment from him. It, mm -hmm. with he's not, still relatively young. Not some real threat. Yeah. Now. But uh, Amduni puts the pen away. Um, Taram actually has a big chance to level it up just a few minutes later. Mm -hmm. um, there's a shot ball to him inside the box and he hits it so far wide. Yeah. Um, he should really put that on target. But they do get the leveler later in the first half. Um, from some real Route 1 stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a deep, deep cross. Uh, Ramsey, Welsh's own, gets his head on it uh, around, like, two defenders, mm -hmm. knocks it down towards the six, and Laborde sort of scuffles for it, and then it falls for Moffy, um, who is a simple finish. Uh, it's really sloppy defending from Basil. Yeah, really. They'll be disappointed in that effort. Really scrappy goal from Moffy, though, who... Yeah, it's a very League 2 goal. Yeah, but... <laughs> uh... Non-legal. Yeah, but Moffy. I gotta defend that better. Know, a few minutes later, said I can score in a different. I can way score too. a bad goal. Yeah, let's get, let's ha let's have the best goal of the Let's have the best goal. Let's show some class. Yeah, yeah. It's balls looped in from the left side. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, left side of the box. Center of the box is a little behind Moffy. You think okay, there's a chance for Basel to clear this. No, he pulls out the bike. Just turns around. The defender too, like the defender's a little bit in the way, and Moffy's able to wrap his foot around it as well. So get on your bike, sir. Sure. Yeah, that is the contact he makes. Oh, he thrashes straight it, over. Oh, it's the best goal you'll see of the week, all week in yeah. any competition. It's like straight over the head of uh, hits too, and there's nothing he can do about it. It's the best European goal of the week. Absolutely. Uh, Rodri would have an argument, but I think this no, is better. This is better. This is more more unusual and special. Yeah. Even though he's from close range, the pace he hit, the, 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 the connection, yeah. you know? It's not like a bike where you sort of had half connection and it loops over. He crushes this. Dude. It's exactly yeah. what he wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, it's an awesome goal. Hits could do about it, even though it's yeah. totally within arm's reach. He just can't get his arm set entirely. Yeah. And Nice go into no the one. break up 2 1 as a result. Um, and yeah, Casper Schmeichel actually makes a fabulous save um, in the 66th minute. To keep them ahead, um, it's like it's like a kick save. Yeah, balls go in bottom corner. He gets it with his toe. It's actually a it's a classic I, Schmeichel save. It's really, I good thought save. he had a good game today. He did. I know all those like stats sites are saying he had a bad game, but he made a couple he a couple big saves. Moments, yeah. I don't think either of the goals are his fault. He seems like he's in a lot better form than he was at the start of the season. Yeah, uh, his distribution was pretty solid. Uh, so I thought he had a good game, but yeah, the unfortunately, stats sites just don't like him. Yeah, and unfortunately though he. Uh, he can't keep uh the e this equalizer out. Yeah. Um it's on uh I'm Donny Dooney is on the double here. Um it's a pretty simple cross into the six and I'm Dooney's just like on mark. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. Better. Really bad. It's like they they fuck up their marking. They have they so just they, like they, they had the numbers to mark it. Yeah, they do. But they have enough bodies, they just yeah. don't mark correctly. Dante um, is too far forward for the cross, so he's just like kind of taken out of it. And the fullback isn't is Guarding no one on the right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Rosario doesn't was... engage with anybody, and Todibo kind of misjudges the ball a little bit. He goes. And I think is it he goes Andy Ashime? The There's another guy. There's somebody else back. Yeah, I think two people Ishime. on one guy. Yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. just it's it's simple, kind of simple stuff. Marking the, the only one who I can kind of forgive on that is Todibo, who's going for the ball and just kind of gets it a little bit wrong. This time's his job jump a little bit. Yeah. But that's Not all. The, but that's all the space they needed, and. Uh -huh. It's a, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just bad marking. Simple as that. It should be it's simple stuff. Um, each, each uh team here scores a goal through 
sort of basic Easy. bad marking around the six. Yeah. Um. But what are you gonna do? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Two two. Uh, you're gonna transition to the left Fiorentina game, the last Conference League game, and that one finishes black one Fiorentina. Four. Bit of a shellacking. Yeah. Seems like the only tie that's kind of put to bed after the but, first But, you know, game. it actually looked like it was going to be competitive for mm-hmm. at least the first half. Um, yeah. Yeah, Fiorentina scored super early. Nico Gonzalez cuts inside on his left as he is wont to do. Mm-hmm. Fires a beautiful curling shot off the post. Mm-hmm. Bounces off the back of the keeper who dove. Mm-hmm. And the ball kind of falls to Cabral, who manages to tuck it in from kind of a tight angle. Well, he hits and... it. He he puts it on goal, and the keeper gets like ninety five percent of it, but yeah. it's not enough to keep to put it yeah, past was, the side net. I was about to say the keeper actually does a really yeah, good job. It's really unfortunate on to keep unfortunate <laughs> yeah. for him. It was a really strange goal. It was like it combined like moment of tremendous quality mm-hmm. from Nico Gonzalez with like some farcical. Fortune. Yeah. Um, but this is one of those where I think good teams get lucky because they make these dangerous situations that kind of force the game, right? Like something good was going to happen because Nico Gonzalez got the ball onto his left foot and took that shot. Yeah. And that was actually an issue Lech had for a while is that they really didn't have an answer for Gonzalez cutting in on his left on that right flank. They, they didn't really cope with that very well. So also fun fact about the goalkeeper that I just looked up because I was like his name was Bednarek, and then he is yeah. John Bednarek's brother. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, a quick shout out to the Lek fans who are always fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's me saying that without knowing if there was any horrible racism. So don't quote me on that. But the fans, as a unit, looked like they yeah. were awesome, the and they usually are. To the Lek goal, some of the best, maybe the best fans we've seen in the conference yeah. so far. The lead up to the Lek goal is visually stunning because the entire stadium is jumping They're up bouncing. and down. Yeah. Uh, and then they all just break out in unison yeah. cheeriness. Uh, Velde tucks it in. Yeah, Ishak uh, lays off a cross yes. with his head. Great. Velde hits a beauty past Terraciano, mm-hmm. Um And the fans are rocking. It's 1-1. But that's about as good as it would get for them. Yeah. Uh, they suffered from the Fiorentina press, as we kind of talked about on Wednesday. Um, especially in the midfield, they're getting dispossessed a little too often. Um, and then a series of crosses leads to Fiorentina second before the break. Uh, Gonzalez dispatches a deep ball um, with his head, and he does really well to elevate over the defender. He hits it in the ground into the into the side. Yeah, um, quite a quite a solid header, but um, again, seemed avoidable for Leck. Um, it is. Nico Gonzalez just had a great game. Had a really good game. He only played fifty minutes, and he might have been the Conference League Player of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I'd give it to Malfi, but yeah. Nico's in that conversation, oh, and man. to do that in 50 minutes is incredible. Yeah, yeah Lech, Lech looked uh, at risk, but also they were competitive and in it for the first half, but then a bit of clinicality from Fiorentina yeah. in the second half. On the break, I think we'll talk, we could talk about this after, but I think Lech maybe made a mistake pushing too hard for equalizers and for, for more goals, Yeah, um, and they were really exposed on the counter. Mm-hmm. Bonaventura makes it three in the 58th. Uh, he buries a loose ball that had been deflected against a few black bodies. But again, it's a good finish. It is. It's a really, um, really nice finish. And then, yeah, Lech just kept giving them too many chances to run. Mm-hmm. Um, evidenced by the fourth goal, another excellent finish. Um, this was one where... This time it was a Kone. Yeah, he just... He, he goes on like a 30-yard gets... run. He beats yeah. one... He, he jukes one guy, goes on a 30-yard run, and side puts it. Nobody in that Nobody. entire part of the field yeah. for like there's so much space between mm-hmm. the midfield and the defense. Yeah. 
And Okones also has who was in front of him at the time. Uh, I want to say Brecolo and Cabral were the ones who were still in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he just has so much space to run into because the defenders can't yeah. step up because then uh, Cabral will get open or Brecolo will get open. But they yeah. keep retreating and just giving him space. Yeah. And, and this, no one's there like, to stop the shot. As uh, good for the goals as Fiorentina was, they were all sort of not obvious goals. Like, not obvious Happens, you know, they were all good finishes except the first one was a little weird. Yeah, but the the, the three we'll give the three, credit for the first one and yeah. say that wasn't an obvious tap. The in. three subsequent goals were all like really high quality efforts from the attacker. One really high leap mm-hmm. and difficult header. Two like clinical finishes from decent positions, but not from obvious scoring yeah. positions. So it was like on one hand was a little bit um unlucky, but on the other hand, they sort of allowed that to happen with like the more goals went in the more they seemed to let themselves get exposed hoping to score themselves um they ended up sort of burying themselves in a tie where you know i mean they would have lost if they were down like 2-1 or whatever but you, you know yeah i don't i don't i don't think it was worth letting themselves like you know losing the tie here yeah when they could have kept it a little tighter and yeah. e- easier said than done but i do think i do think they sort of invited fiorentina's counterattacking and running yeah and like you said uh, just inviting that pressure or not inviting the pressure uh initiating the pressure sorry the opposite mm-hmm. of inviting the pressure but taking that initiative and trying to push forward for that extra goal when mm-hmm. your one goal and your best opportunity came when Fiorentina had pushed really far up the field yeah. it's Dodo who turns it over right outside the box Dodo. and he's the right back right so yeah Dodo's all the way up there the entire midfield is up around the box and like that's something that italiano likes to do is just throw bodies forward and they're susceptible on the counter and like got them on the counter and then they just kind of gave up doing that and to be fair like part of what we've loved watching about lek is like how brave and like attacking they can be um so you know it's one it's tough when it's like sort of part of your identity here Mm -hmm. um and you know they're already as far as they've obviously ever been in a competition or any polish team's ever been so maybe we're being too harsh on them they're should have the weakest team in this right in this yeah. stage um but you have to treat all the teams like they deserve to be here and so mm-hmm. we'll criticize them like they're a quarterfinalist mm-hmm. right? but anyway fiorentino was clinical again which is like a thing for them now i guess yeah uh what's i did like unbeaten in like 13 or 14 something like matches. that yeah. yeah like do you want to say a couple things uh nice that uh i think it's surprising but good that they the club's actually given italiano time here because mm-hmm. they very easily could have sacked him in like october when they were like yeah. 15th <laughs> you know yeah um and you know losing to bishakshi here and stuff uh mm-hmm. but he's they've sort of let him actually put the team together a little bit and he's really got him firing now he's a good coach yeah um, also, i also want to shout out their oh, these away kits the white kits some of the best in europe this year Fiorentina always good for a kit yeah they have some great kits mm-hmm. But yeah, they were also really patient with the strikers, which is mm-hmm. becoming like they a didn't real blessing. Panic yeah. With their like rotation of five strikers who literally couldn't score. Yeah, especially Cabral and Jovic, who are relatively It was like five team openers on Chelsea. In, yeah. yeah. Um and you know, waiting for a guy like Nico Gonzalez, who's a winger who's a real goal threat to come back healthy, uh-huh. I think was important for holding off to judge your strikers until that type of player who can mm-hmm. distract from them is on the field because Cabral and Jovic were getting... Do you know how old Cabral is? 26. He's 24. He's only 24. I know. Doesn't wow. He looks like a 35-year-old. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but they, they, they're sort of doing it. They're doing a good job, uh, by committee. Yeah. You know, they got like a solid rotation and they all seem to be, you know, firing for each other right now, which is Paul has kind of taken the scruff too. Mm -hmm. He said, I am going to start scoring goals. Yeah, right. Like or when you were possible. when you were like hated Okone so much in the I do still kind of hate yeah him. <laughs> when he was like the least productive player ever yeah uh but yeah he's been much better in the second half and I think it's because he's not relied on to be the guy yeah right in the start of the year he was he's the rotation play yeah and start almost every game what do you think of Brecolo I like Brecolo I don't think he's like a world beater I was but surprised he started yeah I mean I think he's just like rotate him in I think he's a good yeah option for them i think he's going to be like a good squad piece for them in the future but i don't see him as like a out and out starter for a team of fiorentina's quality sure like um but he was like solid at torino what's that almost two what's that two years ago now i don't I think know. it was but yeah uh so you know what i didn't know is that Terracciano was 33 yeah dude that sirigu was 36 i didn't realize how old those guys are yeah they might need to be on the keeper market pretty soon yes uh, but um <laughs> They brought in some good young goalkeepers. I mean, they had Lafon oh, and Dragowski. Oh, Neither of them worked yeah, out, sure. like which is just shocking to me. But anyway, the we've done it. Yeah, that's well, that. That's all the games. We did all we the games. Our, we are winners and losers of the week. Yeah, why don't we? Why don't we do that? Yeah. All right, first winner of the week. I have the Dutch. <laughs> the Dutch passed Portugal to move in a six for Copa. Yeah, Hop Holland. Which means that they get an extra Champions League spot. Holland, well, baby. keeping the same number of Europa League and Conference League spots. High five. So that could be huge for the league, getting a little more money, spreading some of that out. Mm -hmm. And they've looked good for it this year, like absolutely, uh, like with Feyenoord's success. And they've, I mean, they've been they've been very competitive in these competitions. We see AZ go into the quarterfinals of of, a, of the Conference League. Yeah. Um, yeah, and especially when you're a league that already has three teams that can compete at that level, mm -hmm. right? And you know that every once in a while, Feyenoord to PSV, and almost always an Ajax, mm -hmm. can get into the Champions League quarterfinals. Yeah, PSV so, probably should have been in the. The PSV kind of blew their their leg to get into the to get into the uh, group stages of the of the Champions League this year. Yeah. So, and they sort of faded a little bit for form, but this would it could be really big for a team like Feyenoord who like. Who we see are probably going to win the league this year, uh, which gives them a Champions League spot anyway. Yeah, basically. But uh, you know, maybe it's something. Last year, obviously, they had a successful year. They went to the Conference League final. Mm -hmm. They finished third, and then got their whole team ripped apart yeah. and rebuilt. So it would be nice for them not to have to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's just sort of the nature of a league like that. You see, even with IX, you see, are in, in a big structural rebuild right now after United mm -hmm. bought half their players uh, <laughs> last summer. Um, but Hopefully it maybe means that teams can maybe focus on building a little bit more before selling um, yeah. or at least taking that extra step like IX and sometimes PSV are able to. It'd be nice for somebody outside of those top one or two to have that sort of yeah. uh, opportunity. Well, and now Azed and Twent are in a position where they will be looking at qualifying for Europe every year mm -hmm. and the Europa League too. So yeah, that's just extra money uh, that could go into their pockets and allow them to maybe then push a little further and start challenging the Champions League teams. Indeed. Uh, first loser of the week is Ooh. the Bundesliga. Oh, sad. Leverkusen disappointed to draw at home, and Bayern got absolutely smacked by City. Mm. So it's looking like a very real possibility that they will have zero teams in the semifinals across Any all three European competition. <laughs> That'd be tough. What are they, Italy? 
last year. Uh, <laughs> Italy last year had a team win the conference league match. Oh, excuse me. All right. Excuse me, the so, conference league. My bad. Uh, our second winner is Nigerian strikers. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Muffy and Boniface looked excellent and scored. Gift Orban was excellent as well. Didn't get the goal, but mm-hmm. helped his team to a well-deserved draw against West Ham and all three of them, 23 or younger, right? The future of Nigerian strikers right now is just it's good. It's really, really it's pretty good. good. They have yeah. enough strikers to go around for sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see. For Maybe sure. one of them picks up and chooses a second nationality because uh, they might not view it as a path into the starting team. Like this is kind of the opposite of what typically happens with some of these African countries where, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have a guy who comes through the system of a European nation and then picks their country because he can't get into like the England squad or the France squad. And it's kind of the reverse situation here. So it's really nice to see good growth of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, second loser is Jop Schroeder, who's a journalist in the Netherlands. He tried to get in a little pissing contest with Jose Mourinho. He tried to shit talk. Yeah. Uh, and he got absolutely bodied. <laughs> you don't do that. Yeah. You don't get in a shit-talking competition with Jose Mourinho. Especially like, when you just lost a, a sort of final. To them. Yeah. So, yeah. despite final win, he came in, tried to talk a little shit, and Jose brought up the Conference League final last year. He said, you cannot win a match that you lost in reference to that, that this doesn't make up for losing the mm-hmm. Conference League final. And he added, for the past 10 months, you were crying. <laughs> I will go to sleep very well tonight. So Jose wins that one. <laughs> Yelp kind of embarrasses himself because a journalist shouldn't be I don't doing know what that. He's doing. Why is he shit? Why is he? Why is he talking shit? It's yeah. Weird. Why are you trying to start something? Weird with a manager giving a Roma some bulletin board material yeah. as well. Weird. Weird showing. Yeah. So that's our winner. Can I add another winner? Absolutely. Belgium. Belgium. Yeah. The Belgian league. The whole year they've been winners. Well, on paper, two draws and a win at this stage. That's all good shit. Union getting a draw at Leverkusen. Uh, Anderlecht winning 2-0 at home to Alkmaar. And uh, and uh, Ghent getting a result against West Ham. It's all looking up for the Belgian League this year. They might be climbing in Coefficient 2, unfortunately. They are. They, unfortunately, they didn't have... I mean, and Brugge, you know, making the knockouts probably added to that a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Even though Brugge's in kind of shambles right now. Yeah. Um. Plus, none of these teams that we've mentioned are even in first place right now. Mm-hmm. That's how strong the league is this season. Yeah, it's a gank who are in first right it's now. Gank who are at first, only by two points now. But um, a lot of these teams are really firing. Um, and you've seen like a team like Anderlecht who's playing pretty well now, still mid table. You know, there's a lot of quality, a lot of quality there that wasn't there recently. Yeah, so we should say Belgium has moved from 13th mm-hmm. to eighth. On coefficient. Wow, which that's a big I jump. I believe moves one of their conference league teams to the Europa League okay. for next year. That's nice. Uh, which is nice. So they've passed Serbia, Austria, Scotland, and Ukraine this oh, wow. year. Yeah, you'd have to say the top five. Like Genk, St. Joao's, Antwerp, and Ghent all have been an excellent, sensational form this year. Mm-hmm. Brugge, you know, a little bit. In, had a good group but, stage. But had a great then, group stage. And under like down in ninth, like all hired, finding success right then now. They hired Scott Parker. Big mistake, yeah. Um, yeah, they it looks like they won a couple games since they fired Parker. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a league to keep an eye on. Um, see if this is a one off or if this is like maybe something we're gonna see more of. Yeah, all the teams bar two are in left in all the European competitions are in the top eight leagues mm-hmm. by coefficient. 
except for Basel mm-hmm. and Lech. So uh, shout out to them for going shouts, way deeper than shouts. they probably should have. Yeah. Great tournaments from them. Uh yeah, reminder reminder of where Basel is in the league. They're in sixth. Yep. Uh <laughs> they yep. are uh just bottom half. Yeah, and they are uh uh what is it, twenty two points off young boys <laughs> this season? Yeah. Uh yeah. But also But also only five points off seconds. <laughs> yeah. so, so Sirius, can you please decide whether you're gonna be in or out yeah. while we're podcasting? And Max brought up Sirius, so I think that means it's time to wrap up. Yes, you are we're cheersing too. Do you want to cheers to Jose Pizzerio, the Nigeria head coach? He's gonna have, sure, he's gonna have some decisions pe- to make. People to pick from. Who is yeah. this white boy? He's from Spanish, Portugal. Portuguese. Yeah. I think I, this is a question for another time, but uh, there should be more African coaches. <laughs> yeah, there almost definitely should be. There's got to oh, be some. way too many of these African national teams are coached by like Europeans. Yeah. And I get it. Like it's the same shit in like the U.S. or something, where yeah. you're like American coaches aren't that. Except not the same because it's more discriminatory for African. But you know, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Rigragi brought this up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, coach of the Moroccan national team, right? Yeah, um, yeah. That it's it's just not a thing that African coaches don't have opportunities. But it's a topic for another day. It is. In the meantime, see you on Wednesday for our second leg previews. Till then, cheers to Jose Pizarro. He's got some fucking choices to make. He's got some choices to make.